Hello, hello, and welcome to Hub Cymru Africa's podcast. I'm your host, Kath Molongo, and I'll be leading you through this series as we discuss what's important to the Wales Africa community working in global solidarity. This is the first in a series of podcasts that are being recorded with support from the FCDO under the Small Charities Challenge Fund. As I'm sure you know, Hub Cymru Africa offer a range of support to the Wales Africa community. Whether it's help fundraising, one-to-one advice, networking or training you're looking for, our support is free. Just get in touch by emailing advice at hubcumryafrica.org.uk or have a look at the details in the podcast description below. Today we're talking about partnership. I'm delighted to welcome Hub Cymru Africa's very own Hannah Shepherd. Hello Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for um, doing the interview. Can you introduce yourself to us, please? Sure. So I'm Hannah. I'm one of the development support managers here at the Hub, and I spend my time mentoring individuals and organisations, running trainings and events, and giving advice and support around growth, risk management, and best practice. Lovely. Sounds great. Thanks, Hannah. Um, So... Uh, can you tell us what we can expect from today's podcast? Who did you speak to? I spoke with two great women, Dominique Alonga from Imagine We Rwanda, which is a social enterprise based in Kigali, Rwanda, and also Amy Parker from Wales-based voluntary organisation Blossom Africa, working with communities in Uganda. And we talked about what makes a partnership across continents work, what makes them frustrating, and some ideas to turn it around. Shall we hear what they have to say? Yes, yeah, sounds really interesting. Let's do it. Great. Okay, welcome Dominique from Imagine We Rwanda. It's great to have you here with me today, here with us. Thank you for having me. And welcome Amy Parker from Blossom Africa in Newport in Wales. Hi. Hi. Before we get started in our conversation about partnerships, it'd be great if you could both take a moment to introduce yourselves to the listeners and just tell them a bit about what perspectives you're coming from today. Dominique, if I could ask you to share first. Um, I was going to say ladies first, but we're we're all ladies (laughs) and I'm a lady. So how did that work anyway? Um, But yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be part of this conversation. I it's very important um, and um, I just look forward to, to learning and, and having fun as I learn as well. Um, so um, I run a uh, social enterprise here in Kigali, Rwanda, and um, we've gone through quite a few partnerships that have worked and some that have not. Um, so I'm very excited to be sharing my journey. Um, yeah, I'm very passionate about education. I'm an author. And I'm a, I'm a publisher as well. So, yeah. Great. Thank you, Dominique. Amy, if you take a moment to introduce yourself. Sure. So I'm Amy Parker from Blossom Africa. We're a charity based in Wales. Um, we've been operating since 2012 and we're supporting communities in Uganda to um, adapt to climate change. We're a community-based organisation registered in Uganda. And we, like like Dominique, we've worked with a number of partners over the years too and happy to share our experiences. Great, thanks. Okay, so um, 
Maybe we could start by, I could start by asking what makes a partnership work for you? Uh, or equally, what make, doesn't make it work? Dominique, if I can ask you first. Yeah. Um, what makes a partnership work for, for me, for my, uh, for my social enterprise, is the sense of a shared vision, the sense of an understood vision, um, and, and, and the comfort that comes with that. So one of the biggest learnings I've had is to listen outside of a mindset of scarcity. So, you know, being, being based in Africa, in Rwanda, when you bump into somebody who is either from outside of Rwanda, from a wealthier space, um, it's like the brain, my brain would just stop and be like, okay, rent is going to be paid, projects are going to be, you know, successful. And instead of listening to my vision and communicating my vision, I would most almost uh, bend myself to what they're looking for. That sometimes wasn't working with what I was looking for. And then in the beginning, of course, it's working, but eventually it starts getting kind of stiff and and um, I- impossible to work with. So I think a healthy partnership now that I think I'm outside of survival mode as a as a as a as a as a social enterprise as an enterprise we we have a few things that are set up and we have enough room to breathe it's 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 a more refreshing space to approach partners because you're approaching partners from your truth from your actual vision and it, it's been very fun to actually see who truly matches and these are more long term because we're we're not bringing forward the 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 scarcity it's more you know in terms of the work and the the actual synergy that we can create so that's for me that's a healthy uh, partnership yeah okay okay it's interesting what you talk about survival mode there isn't it and how how sort of chasing money i think it, it's it's mm. quite key isn't it in um getting it wrong or getting it right it's very real it's very mm. real yeah amy it'd be interesting to hear your take on that yeah, I think there's there's a there's a lot of factors that can influence how successful a partnership is. I I think Dominic, you've hit on a really key one there there for me as well. It's that aligned vision and values. Um, I think we need to take take the time to to get to know each other and to understand our vision and values because I think on like you said the the first kind of meeting or the first kind of introduction you might try to bend a bit to to fit with each other and that's that's definitely not healthy or, or a long term way of working um I think clear expectations are really really important on both partners so in terms of your role and what you will bring to the partnership to to have those conversations quite early on and and an ongoing basis um I think communication is is a really generic term but it's it's really really important and it, it needs to go deeper than kind of a monthly meeting or something it is about creating that space where you can discuss um, when things don't work or or when they, they haven't gone to plan and to be, to be able to have that honest space for that for that dialogue to happen. And I think in a for, for me working in, in Wales in an African partnership, I think understanding that communication can be quite challenging and that there may be words that mean or concepts that mean something quite different to us here in Wales to what they would perhaps in, in the African context, things such as monitoring and evaluation, training, networking, partnership building, they, they can mean quite different things. So I think it's, it's really, really important for the partnership to 
sort of uh, delve quite deep into them and not assume that there is that mutual understanding about what those things mean. Um, and finally, I think I'd say respect. Um, we, we, you know, here in Wales, I, I, we don't have the lived experience that our partners in Africa do. So I think it's really important for us to kind of respect that our partners are, are the experts in their communities and to really respect and, and value that as well. So there's, yeah, I feel like I could talk for ages about that, but there's, 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 I do feel like the, the partnerships are quite complex and there's, there's a lot, lot to them that, that make it, make or break it. It's really interesting what you said there about, you know, respecting expertise in country, isn't it? And I think that can be really critical when it, it particularly when it comes to looking at strategies and what you do, why you do it and, and who you work with, um, having those conversations together is really important isn't it do you have any thoughts on that Dominique I 100% agree with what uh, Amy is saying because um, even just recognizing that it's two different it's different cultures it's uh, it's um, it's different spaces and um, allowing both partners to sit firmly in their role is is so important yeah and then she mentioned it having clear expectations of you know what do you want from me and what do I want from you and communicating areas where this is actually being fulfilled uh, the flexibility of course um, you know we've all been hit by this massive global change that is COVID-19 how does that affect you know it's affecting probably Wales differently than it's affecting Kigali so as much as we clarify the expectations there's always that room for dialogue for um for communication for change for pivoting and and that flexibility is only learned through honesty and mutual respect um and and also us for instance i would say for for africans walking away from the you know we're only expecting to be fed and walking towards, you know, we know what we're doing. That's also a confidence that we've had to learn over the years and also unlearn that, you know, we are here to be saved. And when you find a partner who's also ready to create room for that confidence, for that uh, blossoming, actually, Blossom Africa, <laughs> um, for that blossoming, it's, it's really important. And then, you know, we both meet in the middle. So healthy partnerships do happen. Um, but they require this kind of commitment, this kind of grace and empathy as well, if I can say. Yeah. Thank you both. That's really interesting. So talking about partnerships and keeping them healthy, how do you keep a ha- partnership healthy? Amy, if I can come to you. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think... In terms of maybe a partnership not working, I think you can flip pretty much any of the things that we've already discussed on, on their head that, that could, could create that unhealthy relationship in terms of not, not communicating effectively, any form of mistrust or dishonesty. They, they can all be really, really detrimental. And I think in order to kind of avoid some of those things that could affect a relationship, it's, it's important to invest time in, in making the relationship healthy. So, open and regular dialogue, being able to openly discuss issues and challenges. And as Dominique just mentioned, things do change and evolve. And, and I think over the last year, it's been quite rapid change and we're working in complex environments. So 
I think we really need to be open to that change and not be too rigid in what we're thinking. And we're like, we said we were going to do this, so we have to do this. I think we we need to be to be very kind of fluid in our in our dialogue and discussions, um, and open about challenges. Um, I think I've already mentioned this, but that that space to to say when things aren't aren't working, uh, without fear of any kind of repercussions, because I think that that can be quite a, a common issue in terms of worrying that maybe, like we were saying, the, the money might not come if if things aren't progressing at the rate that they were expected to. So to kind of tackle that and not let not let issues build up so if, if there is a challenge or an issue to to try and discuss it quite openly um and i think that that really helps to keep the relationship healthy that's really interesting amy how how do you how do you create that space to keep to keep to have that dialogue it's definitely a challenge and i i I think in some in some ways covid's been quite helpful in terms of pushing us to explore some of the other means of communications zoom and whatsapp and to to be a bit more creative with with how we communicate i'd say it's definitely not not easy we're working at you know for us here in wales we're working at a a real distance from our partners in africa so it's, it's definitely not easy um regular chatting um I I think this this may come up later on in the conversation but I think a challenge we often face is quite often the Wales-Africa relationship start off as maybe a friendship maybe a a group from Wales visits the community in Africa and they they develop a a friendship which can be quite challenging then to to turn that Mm. into a professional relationship um so I think it, it is about just continue continuing to talk and continue to try and, and move that kind of relationship into a professional relationship where we're where there's those those roles and expectations and visions and values are continuously discussed and explored mm. thank you so dominique it'd be so interesting to um to hear your thoughts on on that and on keeping partnerships healthy and and that space for honesty that we're talking about? Well, my, uh, my personal experience um, in the early days, so my, my organization started in 2015, and um, our goal was, as, as Amy said, it was a bit blurry because some of these things happen as you're actually on the ground. And I think sometimes I usually say to choose a, a partner um, it's very, it's, it's, it's more beneficial, uh, for the partner that's coming in to link up or to connect with someone who's already further along, uh, with their idea and their vision. Because idea stage, um, grabbing a partner who is still in their, their idea stage is, a lot more risk. It's a lot more, um, jumping through lots of hoops that you didn't plan for. But, um, so yeah, I've had, um, I've had to recognize that some of the partners I've had, I was the one who still had to figure out who am I? What is Imagine We trying to become? Um, and I think the partners that joined our journey in those early days suffered more than the ones that are joining when we are, we have a clear cut view and vision of where we're going. Um, and so what I would say, at least for, to those early on partners was to say, you know, 
Um, what are your expectations? So understanding the expectations. Sometimes a partner comes to you to have a different view of the culture. It's a better way to understand the Rwandan culture because they will be fully immersed in that culture through you. So if they're just kind of doing a study for two to three years and they want to move on and start something else, it would be really beneficial to, to kind of express that. Or are they coming in to be a 20-year plus partner? You know, so knowing that early enough, uh, because a lot of people, you know, are in this haze of, you know, if, if I act well, maybe it'll be, you know, two more years and three more. And they, they don't have that confidence, which makes them act in a way that they're not happy with. You know, because this is not clearly communicated. So in terms of expectations, I would say it's, it's more beneficial for both partners to know we're in this for two years. Um, because my general goal is to understand the education system in your city so that I can see how better I can, you know, start my own thing or partner with higher level people. You know, um, so understanding those nuanced um, expectations that are not spoken because they're not never spoken. They're like, oh, we love your vision. We love your team. We love what you're doing. But they never say, OK, I'm really here, you know, from Australia, from Canada to kind of have another um, segue or, you know, way into something else. Maybe my goal is to eventually build a university and I'm taking these two years to kind of have a feel of the culture and I like you. You know, that those unspoken nuances are so important and understanding them, you know, just like the the the, the less privileged partner, if I could call them that, oof, that's horrible, but, you know, the the... <laughs> the less privileged partner would say, you know, I'm here because I need your expertise. I need, um, I, my vision is for this organization to move from 20,000 beneficiaries to 100,000 beneficiaries. And you have the money for that. You know, but I think in the beginning it says, oh, I like your vibe. And I like your vibe too. Yay. And it starts like that. And then like Amy said, it's very hard to bring it back to something that's very serious, to now what are our values, and you know? And also another thing I would say for healthy partnerships would be some room for failure, um, room for failure and room for learning, um, especially, um, actually at any stage, really, because here we have two cultures or two, even within Rwanda or within any country, you have two people or three people who come together, different perspectives, different views of life that are coming together to build something. So eventually they will have to fall. They will have to disagree. And I think Amy mentioned it. If, if my fear of disagreement is attached to losing my partner forever, then I will not stand in confidence of what I'm building, which can result in, you know, these horrible, weird silences, no communication, bad communication, fear to respond an email, they take a long time. And then the, these frustrations start to, to bubble up because on one end, someone is like, I... I don't know what to do. And the other person is, is not seeing that perspective. So when there's a big... So our first partner was from, um, was from Australia, if I can just jump into a personal story here. And they kept telling us, if you behave well, we will 
give you a uh, five-year contract if you behave. And that thing kept ringing in our ear, but then we didn't even have a clear definition of what behaving well was. So what it translated to was, oh, they have a, they have a colleague who's flying in at three o'clock in the morning. Maybe behaving well means to pick them up at the airport. This has nothing to do with the project, nothing to do with the partnership, but we're hoping, you know, if we maybe take them to coffee, that's behaving well. And it was just this haze of confusion that was very stressful probably to them as, as much as it was for us because we were stressed. You know, nobody wanted to, you know, to do these other things to kind of please them. But we were stuck in that because the idea was if you behave well, if you behave well. And then the first time we we delayed in communication for maybe I think it was a week. I don't know what had gone on. Um, they were very angry because we were stepping away from the behaving well. So we set expectations that were not related to the project and that were not sustainable for us or them because we were not even acting like a, like human beings. We were like complete robot mode, <laughs> you know. So, you know, understanding these things um, is easier in practice, but I would say to have a healthy partnership is try to know your partner and both of you, both partners want to, should want the best for the other. Really, that, that's where I think that if I say nothing else, it's both partners should genuinely want what's best for the other and, and, and finding ways to communicate that. Yeah. That, thank you. That's so interesting. I can see where you're coming from. It um, sounds like a really steep learning curve there. How do you, uh, how, what have you changed now in approaching your partnerships? Do you formalize things on paper with partnership agreements oh. now or? How, how, what, what's, what have you learned from all of that? You've talked a lot about learning and finding the room for failure, but from all of that, what, what, how have you changed what you do to create a healthy partnership now? I think formalizing the conversation early on is very important, you know, because it all, it's all starts, you know, they visit us, we have all these bright and shiny offices and it's, you know, the vibe is great and they start from there. They go, oh, we like you, you know, do you want this? Having the confidence to say, you know, where do you think this is going? That took me years to, to actually do that. Where do you think this is going? It's a very vulnerable space to be but the worst case scenario is oh you know we were just you know trying to check out what you were doing nothing more but some and most say you know we actually want to stay in Rwanda and try to work something out so from that conversation you formalize everything but what we did in the beginning was just to you know go for coffee and never formalizing so formalizing as quickly as possible is the biggest um, learning that I have made and um, having conversations um, with confidence to say, we know that this is where we're going, you know, and, you know, these are our plans for the next three years, five years. When they see, oh, you know, we can inject ourselves here. Can we do a project here? It makes more sense than being open. I used to be open to anything. Oh, you know, you want to build a library in this school? Yes. And the school is like, eight hours away, we have nowhere to get there. Nobody knows how the shelves are going to get there. But I would say yes. <laughs> so even being honest in our action plan, and that's very internal work because you can't be honest in an action plan that you haven't prepared. You know, so 
we came back as a team to prepare a five 10-year action plan so we know clearly where we feel that we're going if you're a good fit it's okay and taking rejection sometimes it's okay to not be a good fit for everybody it's okay it doesn't reflect bad you know sometimes we meet doctors and say hey you know we are volunteers we want to bring diabetes medicine in your library and it's like oh, i need to get everybody and that was a scarcity mindset but sometimes it's okay for us to say yeah no we don't see that and that's a learning that i did we don't see how um diabetes medicine would fit into our program or we don't see how you having a soup kitchen that you want us to start cooking and washing the kids as they read mm, it's okay if you want to do that with somebody else but not us or could you have a try or could you show us how it worked in another organization can we see for a couple of for a piloting period to see how it worked with other organizations so we can talk about implementing it so these conversations were very hard for me to have um but i'm so glad i've learned to to have them yeah Thank you, Dominique. That's so interesting. Um, Amy, I'd be interested to hear what you think from your perspective. You know, we've talked a lot about there about timeframes and learning and frustrations and formalising. And yeah, I'd just be interested to hear what your, your thoughts are. Yeah, I think so much of what Dominique's just said really resonates with me. Um, I've sort of seen that play out quite often kind of on my trips to Uganda and anecdotally through kind of lots of development type projects um I think I've certainly seen our partners in Uganda really really trying to please us in in the way you've described and um I think it it is really really unhealthy and it's really unfair and it's definitely not easy kind of to, to to find that middle ground where everyone knows where they stand but I think you know we have to keep kind of really working quite hard at that and it's really refreshing to hear your experiences and the fact that you've kind of got to that point where you, you are confident in saying no this is what our vision is and this is this is what we're about because I, I think as well the story about the diabetes um, medicine I, it, that happens so often that you know groups come in and they they we want to build a hospital or we want to do this or we want to do that and then you know there are there are partners out there that, that will say yeah we can do that and it, it's it's quite scary really to think that these kind of this this is the way that partnerships evolve and I think it's it's kind of absolutely not the right way for for partnerships to evolve and I think it's it's good to kind of be really honest that these things do happen and that it's not it's not good practice and it's there is another way of 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 doing it um so I think finding the fit is really really important and being being honest that a partnership might not work and being but for both partners to have the confidence to, to be able to say that is, is really, really important. Amy, thanks. I wonder then if we can talk about a power imbalance. It's what you're talking about here, isn't it? Is an imbalance, you know, especially, Dominic, you nailed it when you said um, coming from a perspective of scarcity and getting out of that mindset and finding your confidence. Yeah, I, I just wonder what, what your thoughts are um, on how you address a power imbalance. Amy, if we could start start from your perspective maybe yeah this this is something I've definitely struggled with over the years and has has quite possibly led me to make some mistakes um I'd say now more than than ever before I I I feel like I I have more of a clarity in terms of what 
the relationships should or I'd, I'd like them to be like and it's 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 a much more professional relationship than perhaps we we started off with back in 2012 um the imbalance quite often comes from the fact that us in, in our in our case we in Wales tend to be the funder um and I see but I what I what I how I try to see it now and rather than us being the funder and and giving the money to Uganda and the communities they're needing to kind of adapt and, and provide what we want them to provide. It, it is that professionalism that you would see, for example, in Wales. It's, there's lots of funders in Wales that fund community projects and there's just, it's, it's a professional, clear relationship. The, 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 the delivery partner on the ground is responsible for developing their project and delivering and reporting back to the funder and the, the funder is responsible for giving the funds and monitoring the project if we see it in that way that we're very used to here and kind of using that that model in our African relationships I feel is 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 the the right way forward um I do think there's in my experience a, a real danger of things being left unsaid um for example we we don't like to ask for more information for fear of micromanaging our partners in Uganda or su- suggesting that we don't trust our partners so i think that that that's the power plays into that cuz i think sometimes we're kind of trying so hard to not be like uh, you know to 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 demonstrate that power in that way that we 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 leave things unsaid um so i think again it's, it's, it goes back to those clear expectations and, and open conversations um so I think yeah the professional relationship is is really really important um and, and if the arrangement is that our role here in Wales is is to raise funds and to monitor projects and the partner's role is to deliver the project and and, and report back then these are agreed objectives that we can we can work on I think there is that sweet spot in the middle where you collaborate and you say oh actually I think that could work really well and you know the way you work together like you would in in a partnership here in, in Wales with a Wales funder and a Wales organization delivering the part project um so I think yeah having your clear roles but that kind of middle ground where you work together and make joint decisions can tackle some of that imbalance thanks amy that's really interesting to hear where you are uh dominique where can we hear about what your thoughts are on how you can tackle a power imbalance well yeah definitely i, I like the the what she ended with um which is if it was two whales partners how would you how would you act how would this whole thing play out and that's one thing I started to do with my organization is if these people were random, what would I do? How would I be, how would I be communicating? How would I be, how would I act physically? How would I show up? And the more I just started to kind of think about it that way was very helpful because one of the things that we really, really cannot forget to put in place is the history of Africa with colonization and, and some of the consequences that have come, not only economically, but also very strongly uh, psychologically, um, because um, the bending of the mind was one of the best tools that were used to you know, get people to be subservient and, and all that stuff. And so some of um, the education system, all the systems still have the results and the remnants of, of colonization. So when a child or a young person or even an adult sees somebody who is white 
they bend, not even consciously, they just bend. You know, they, they have to, we need to do whatever they say, we, we need to agree to whatever they say, would rather suffer trying to figure how to do it rather than tell them that we can't. You know, and, and that's a very honest fear that um, a, lot of, um, a lot of people have. So one of the healing, I would say, and then it's going to take a few years for, for, for the psychologically um, colonized mind to change. It, but one of the healing is to, to raise our self-esteem. So um, um, one of the things that I tell partners is when you come to Africa um, for the first time, make sure that if you have a consultant from Africa to be the spokesperson, so they they are able to see that respect that you know from both sides, and they know the nuances of the culture. A lot of um, partners, external partners. Um, uh, what they would do is come and establish, you know, we are here to save you. We're here to help you, which is something that has been done over the years. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, expecting this confidence to just come out of nowhere is, is, is very hard on both parts, you know. So um, we've been encouraging, you know, make sure when you come on ground, see if you can have African volunteers or consultants to, to do some of the heavy lifting in communication and in establishing the early days of partnership. So they actually are establishing it in a more comfortable place. If, if, and sometimes we say, you know, like, if you have a middle person for a while, that the, 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 the lesser privileged, any marginalized community, really, you have somebody who represents them and they have some room, some privacy to say, okay, what are you afraid of here? Before we sign a contract, can you tell me what you're afraid of? I will go communicate to this potential partner. Then they have somebody who looks like them, who has lived experiences, and they, they say, you know, I, I'm just so scared. This, this is really not possible. We are an education um, organization. They're asking us to build a hospital. I don't see it. I want to try, but I don't see it. So this middleman or consultant, volunteer, whatever you call it, is going to go and say, these are the challenges. How do we see it? Because in person, it's probably not going to happen. It's just going to, they're going to, yes, yes. Because there was there were real repercussions to saying no, and this is very. I mean, my mom went to a segregated school. It's not like a long time ago. It's very recent. These these consequences are still very real. To say no, you know, some people. I mean, I think you guys know in the Congo, if you dare to say no, you would lose your arm, you would lose a foot. You would lose, you know, real consequences that now that anxiety uh, kind of still plays a, a role in, in the early days of these partnerships. Um, and also sometimes it can be, do we want to be a partner or do we just want to be an angel investor? Uh, and do we want to take the risks that comes with becoming an angel? You know, so all these different con con conversations have to be very honest in the first, in the first, um, in the, fir the early days um, but they're fun. I think I, I now I enjoy this more because I have found my space. Uh, I have found my uh, my voice, and it's very you know it's very interesting to see how people from the outside who have never perceived these realities how they perceive them and say, oh, you know what? That's actually very true because mar marginalized communities. Um, 
have a very true and unspoken reality because even the books have hidden them, even the studies have hidden them, you know, and, and, and we don't communicate them very openly. Um, so how do we as a partner, what empathy does the privileged partner has to have to see beyond just the project, to see these nuances, to see these small or unspoken things? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that as um, it's fantastic to have all your insights, both of you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm conscious of time, however. Um, so I'm going to have to ask you both to just, if you have time in a moment, just to share with us your closing remarks. Amy, can I come to you first? Sure. I think um, I'd just like to sort of pose a challenge, I guess, to to, to particularly the, the, the partners in, in our position as Blossom Africa, as the, the Wales-based partner, um, to think about who is making the decisions in your organisation and, and why. Mm. Is it us here in Wales as the funder or is it our partners in Africa as the delivery partner? Are we here, here in Wales, for example, driving the programme and deciding what the communities want and or need? Are we claiming to be the experts and do we think we know better than our partner? Uh, we need to be very honest with ourselves in relation to this and work hard to enable our partners to make the decisions as the experts in their communities on, on what is right for them. As they, they work in these communities, they potentially live in the communities too. Mm -hmm. um, this is definitely not without complexity, but just to pick up on some of the threads throughout the conversation, if, if there is a shared vision, open communication, honesty and trust then there is hopefully a, a strong foundation to, to grow from, from from there. But thank you. I've really enjoyed participating in today's conversation and really lovely chatting to you, Dominique and Hannah. Yeah, it's been yes. great, Amy. Thank you so much. This was amazing, yeah. Dominique, can that, have you got any closing thoughts or a challenge I, for us? She has definitely said it all, said it all. My, my To my colleagues, I would just say, what what work do you need to do? to believe in your vision a little bit more so you're not susceptible to these um, unhealthy um, challenges that we, we, we just mentioned. But the rest, Amy has definitely said it all. Great. So it's just up to me to say a huge thank you to you both for sharing, you know, your experiences of working and living, living this work for many years. So it's given me a lot to think about and take away. So um, thank you both. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, that was brilliant. Thank you, Hannah, for bringing us that recording. How was that listening back to it just then? I know, right? Those two women really blew my socks off. I mean, I really connected with what they had to say and the examples they gave. It resonated with my own experiences. Mm. Mm -mm, definitely yeah I'm with you on that um so there was a couple of key points that I found really helpful um do you mind if I share them with you I'd love it um, I really liked Amy when she was talking about communication and respect you know she was saying how um we need to build that trust mm. to talk when things go wrong um because it sounds really easy to say okay let's talk and just tell each other when things don't work but in real life there's there's lots of nuances and it's not always that easy uh, to feel that you're trusted and that, you know, your your views are going to be valued and listened to, um, especially when funding 
is involved. So I think she raised a really good point about that. Yeah, for me, I just, there's always such a power imbalance when there's a one-way money flow. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a key point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Dominique followed on really well from that when she was talking about understanding the history. Um, you know, I think it's really important for us to consider what is the context and the history of the people we're working with? How does that um, how does that play into our interactions with them? Uh, what does it mean for the people you're working with? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important for us to all recognise that there are these unconscious assumptions and biases, you know, they're present on both sides. And being aware of it can help us, you know, take those steps to address that and really create an equal partnership. Yeah, she spoke really eloquently on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about partnership and how do we communicate well with each other and understand each other's perspectives. Mm. And history plays such a big part in our work. We really need to take time to understand it, don't we? Yeah. What about you, Han? What was your biggest takeaway? Well... For me, hearing Dominique talk about all those extra activities, you know, the being good, which people do to please their partners when they're coming from a place of scarcity. So, you know, I feel that for anyone listening to this podcast, I feel that we should really reflect on that. You know, what's your experience with partners on it? Yeah, I can definitely um, resonate with that. And it, and and both, it happens, you know, both here in Wales with mm. funders in Wales and partners in Wales. And I've, I've, uh, I'm guilty of doing it um, overseas when I've been working overseas. Um, it's too easy to say, oh, could you do me a favour? Mm. Um, and I think sometimes we need to take time to think, oh, is that, is that appropriate? Um, is it okay to be asking for these additional favours? Yeah, and that comes on to that other point about uh, her challenge for for partners overseas. Um, are they ready to partner? Have they got their vision and mission? You know, Dominique shared a bit about her own journey to get to that point where she was able to say, no, this isn't going to work for me, and to be able to articulate what it is that she wanted and also being able to partner with people for a, a distinct amount of time. So... You know, when you're thinking about your partners or your potential partners, are they ready to partner? You know, there could be work that they need to do first to articulate what they want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, it works both ways, doesn't it? You know, as an organisation based in Wales, um, how far along that journey are you? How well are you? Uh, have you managed to plan out what you want to do and how you want to do it? Um, and that. And have you evolved into being really sure about what is your uh, area of work? What is your, what is niche to you? Um, and so, yeah, these conversations need to be really open and transparent when we're talking about how we want to work together in partnership and what we think the future could look like. You know, the other thing that Dominique said, which um, builds on that really, is that her suggestion of having a, a, lo- a local consultant or volunteer working with the part, your potential partner as, as a middle person to just support the developing partnership and just provide that buffer, that space to just say no. Mm, 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 mm. And someone should ask those questions that maybe you're uncomfortable asking or maybe you don't even think to ask. Yeah, yeah. It's a really great idea, yeah. And then if um, Amy, you know, really bringing it back to reflecting on our own role and where we cross the divide. Um, I love it when she talked about, would we work like this if we were funding in Wales? And where should the decisions be made? You know, I, I feel that if you're honest with yourself in your partnership, 
those questions will get to the heart of your ethics in that. You know, you may be friends with your partners, but really a professional approach is there to protect and support you from unconsciously undermining each other. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Han. I mean, it protects you on both sides, doesn't it? Like, it helps um, both people feel secure in the relationship um, so that, yeah, it's not based on friendship alone. There's an, uh, there's a professional um, kind of framework that supports that and supports how you work and how you deal with issues if they arise. All right, lovely. Well, Hannah, thank you very much for your wonderful guests, Amy and Dominique, and for thank you to all of you for giving us your time and sharing your experiences. Um, and Hannah, thank you for organising such an interesting interview. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So that's a wrap for today's podcast. Our next podcast is going to be looking at grant writing. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, you can find out more about Hub Cymru Africa's work by visiting our website on www.hubcymruafrica.wales or email us at advice at hubcymruafrica.org.uk. Excellent. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye. Bye.